0: Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive, dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth-yet-spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life. And look for the Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. You know, we, as we make our way and we've made our way to the end of this series, Speak to It, we understand the importance. Come on, we've talked about it uh, all these number of weeks of our words, the importance of not only um, our words, but You know, what we speak and the significance of how we say it and how it impacts our future and our destiny and our surroundings and our atmosphere and other people, you know, is very impactful. Edgar Allan Poe, the great Edgar Allan Poe once said that words have no power to impress the mind without the exquisite horror of their reality. Now, you may hear that quote, Brother Al, and say, "What? wow, that sounds kind of ominous. You know, well, Edgar Allan Poe was kind of ominous himself. But really, all he's saying is that, you know, words really don't have an impact uh, if it weren't for the fact that we know that there is a reality to them. There is a reality to our words, and because of that, our words are impactful. They are impactful. Someone else once said that instead of raising your voice, raise your words, because it's the gentle rain that grows flowers, not the thunder. Come on. So we need to think about what we're saying sometimes, not just how we say it, how loud we say it. uh, What are the words that we're saying? I was thinking of a story of this family that went to the county fair, and this dad actually just took his, his kids to this county fair, and this particular family, the kids were not interested in the prize pig and, you know, all of those kind of things. They wanted to ride the rides, okay, at the fair. So he bought all these tickets, you know, to give his kids to ride rides. And he said, okay, fine, that's what we'll do. And uh, as each child approached a ride, he would hand out a ticket to them so that they could get on the ride. Well, during this time, some strange kid came up to him. He didn't know and and put out his hand. Of course, he's expecting a ticket. You know, you're giving out tickets. Uh, You know, where's my ticket? So the father drew back the roll of tickets and said, well, I don't don't know this child. I'm not going to give you a ticket. You're not one of my kids. Uh, You don't have any right to these tickets. I bought them for my children. But as he drew back, his son Stephen said, You know what? It's okay, Dad. It's okay. This is my friend. And I told him that you would give him a ticket. So, you know what the father did? He gave the boy a ticket in Stephen's name, in the name of his son. That boy had no right to any of those tickets, right? But since his son said that he would give him a ticket, that his father would give him a ticket, his father honored that, and he honored the name of his son by giving this strange boy a ticket. You know what? In the same way, we have no right to anything that God does, anything that the Father has. We have no right to any of it, except that Jesus stepped in and said, it's okay, Dad. I told them that you would give them part of my inheritance. (laughs) I told them that you would give them everything that I have. And the father honoring his son, just like this father at the county fair said, "Okay, in the name of my son, I will give you everything that I'm giving my son. You have a ticket. You have a ticket. You have a ticket to life. You have a ticket to the kingdom. Jesus told Peter, remember, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And it's all because of Jesus and his name. You know. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible talks about how we're joint heirs with Christ. And that means legally we have the right to the estate of Christ because he died for us. And so it's legal, right? We are co-beneficiaries with Jesus himself. And so when we talk about speak to it and speak words and the words that we speak, one of the things that we have to remember as Christians is the power of the name of Jesus, that when we speak, we speak the power, we speak the name of Jesus. I implored our uh, churches over in the Philippines as we talk and as we talk about, um, you know, we talk in our leadership meetings and we talk about discipleship and talk about all of those things. One of the things that I said was, listen, when you pray, when you pray for your people, when you pray for, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're praying for end your prayer in Jesus name. I implored them to do that because there's a power when you speak the name of Jesus. Come on. The name of Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 23 to 27. If you have uh, your Bible, go ahead and turn over there to John. Look at chapter 16. If you have your uh, device, you can go ahead and find that on the web maybe i don't know if you have a kindle maybe you have the bible app on your kindle i don't know i don't know what you might have or how you might get to it like i always say cheat off the person next to you if you can't do that because of covid i know if you're not if you're just here by yourself or uh you know whatever brother james you just might have to remember what it says or just look up on the screen it'll be there amen John chapter 16, verse 23. Jesus is speaking, and he says these words. He says, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever. Somebody say whatever. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask And you will receive that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. I've given you parables. I've given you stories. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name and... I do not say to you that I shall pray the father for you for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. What is he saying? He's saying that you have access through the power of my name because I am the son. You have access. Over in John 14, verse 13, he also said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. But he said, there's a purpose to it. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father might be glorified. That's John 14, 13. And then also in John 15, 16, he said, you did not choose me. Remember this one? But I chose you and have appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So he's telling us that there's a power in his name, and he's also telling us that there's a purpose in asking in his name. It all goes together. So we might say, well, why? Why the name of Jesus? Why did God do it this way? What is so important about the name of Jesus? Because to be real honest with you, there were other people named Jesus throughout history, right? I mean, there were other people named Jesus. So what if we say, you know, in Jesus' name, how, do, how, does, how does the father know I'm talking about uh, Jesus the son? How does he know I'm not talking about uh, this guy over here? You know, this one, how do you know I'm not talking about this guy? Uh, you know, what's the difference? Well, we realize that whatever God does, whatever manifests on earth, he will do by the means of Jesus. All right. First Timothy two, three, two, five says that there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Jesus Christ he's the he's the mediator he's the conduit he's the path hebrews uh, chapter 7 says but he because he continues forever this thing will never end folks has an unchangeable priesthood nobody can trump this priesthood nobody can go above this priesthood nobody can undercut it nobody can go around it he has an unchangeable priesthood therefore He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always, always lives to make intercession for them. It's what he lives for to make intercession for you and for me. And then in chapter 8 of Hebrews, it says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. How many know that you have a better promise today than in the Old Testament because there's a better covenant? We know that the word of God and the ways of God are mediated or transferred really through the person of Jesus Christ and so what we need to know is when we talk about his name we're not talking just about his nomenclature you know, when you go to somebody's office and you see their name on the door, Jerry Lewis, you know, he, he works in that office. Or you see his desk, he has a little name plate with a nomenclature. We're not just, when we talk about the name of Jesus, we're not just talking about his nomenclature. We're talking about the person of Jesus Christ. That's how we distinguish It's not this guy, Jesus, or that fisherman, Jesus. This is the son of God and the son of man the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We're talking about his name. We're talking about the person. And when you think of the phrase in the name of Jesus, you need to know the Jesus whose name you're using. Come on, somebody. It can't just be the word Jesus. It has to be the authorized use of the name that you just used. You have to be authorized to use that name. The only way to understand the authorization, instead of just saying the name like a magic word, this is not equivalent to abracadabra. This is not equivalent to, let me show you something else. This is not equivalent to, let's see what's behind door number three. Come on. There, 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 is, there is something behind this. It is to understand the person who owns the name. If you have no relationship with the person, you have no authorization to use the name. You have to have a relationship with the person that owns the name in order to have authorization to use the name. Perhaps you've been going through life and you said, I've, I've done everything right. I've, I've, I've read the scripture and when I pray, I, I pray and I say in the name of Jesus. But if you go back and check your relationship, uh, check your devotion time, check your prayer life. Come on, check your Holy Spirit uh, meter that's in you. Uh, if, if that's not full, if you have no devotion time, if you have no relationship, no reading time, no study time, come on, you have no authorization to use the name we need the authorization to use the name prayers are not answered sometimes and situations do not change when you pray to the father without the backing of the son when you pray to the father without the backing of the son you don't get the support of the son in your request to the father and so if that boy who was at the county fair wouldn't have stepped up and said, Dad, it's okay, Uh, you can give it to him in my name. He would have never got a ticket. He has no relationship. If he had no relationship with the son, he would have never got a ticket from the father. Come on, somebody. We have to have that relationship with the son in order to get the ticket from the father. Therefore, he's saying, when you use my name in an unauthorized way, you lose your authorization to use it. Come on. And so there's a purpose in using the name of Jesus. Many, many Christians, I can't speak for everybody, but many Christians have a limited view of the cross and the meaning of the cross. We believe that Jesus died so that we can go to heaven. Well, yes and no. Now, he did die so that we could go to heaven, but however, that is not the fullness of the purpose of the cross. He, He didn't only die so that we could go to heaven. He died on the cross so that he could bring heaven to us. Don't forget that. Don't forget that part of the purpose of the cross was not just for us to get to heaven when we die. It was that the kingdom would come right now, that he could bring heaven to us and render powerless the authority of the devil. The only thing the devil can do is trick you. Come on, he doesn't own you. And so when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he instructed them to say, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 Your kingdom come. Said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven he said your kingdom come your kingdom come he inserted in there your kingdom here now and so the question becomes how does heaven operate if if God's kingdom is to come now what are we waiting on we're waiting on that great day when it's all over and we all get to heaven and God is saying yes that is going to be a glorious day I can't wait till that day, but God is saying, guess what? There's a day called today and you're still in it. And I died. I sent my son to die on the cross. I gave my son to die on the cross that he could, we could bring heaven to you right now. And so if you're not operating in kingdom principles, if you don't understand that you're a citizen of heaven and you're still operating in worldly principles, what did I die on the cross for? Come on. I know our mindset is, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to heaven one day. But I believe that God is speaking to us saying that you ought to be living heaven right now. I know you're still in this body. I know that. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, I kind of hate to use this term. I don't want you to misunderstand me, but it's almost kind of like schizophrenia, you know, or whatever it is. My daughter knows those terms a little bit better than me, but it's like, you know, you have two different lives. One in you is what was awakened when God said, wake up, when he breathed the breath of life in you. There is a real you, a spirit that is living in the kingdom of heaven. But right now. As it, as we remain in these uh, bodies, these in this three-dimensional world, we have to operate by those laws. But there is something in us that communes with the Holy Spirit, that God is saying, "Let that come forth, let that take precedence." And it's brought to the earth by Jesus Christ, and it's manifest by His Church. The key—it's up to us. To be the vehicle that the kingdom of God is here on earth. It's up to us. We can't wait for the earth to turn around. We can't wait for politicians to change economy. We can't wait for uh, advocates to, to, to make change. They're, they're, listen, and I'm not down in any of that. We have all those things for a reason. We have politicians for a reason. We have advocates for a reason. We have all the things that we have in this world, we have for a reason. But us as the church, we can't sit back and say, that's our salvation that's what the church has been doing we can't sit back and say that's our salvation we have a better message because we have a better covenant because we have better promises we have the gospel which is the good news not just of going to heaven when it's all over but we have the gospel of the kingdom of God kingdom ways kingdom economy kingdom healing kingdom deliverance come on we have that message And so if we look around in the earth and it looks a mess, we need to look in the mirror and start using the name of Jesus properly with the authorization that he's given us. And so when we say, well, how does heaven operate if we're supposed to have heaven on earth? That's the question. We can see that by looking at the life of Jesus himself. What did Jesus do? How did he walk while he was on earth? Well, he taught the kingdom of God, first of all. He, he operated in forgiveness. He forgave sins. That's what he looked to do every day. He forgave sins. He healed people and cast out demons. That's, what, that's how Jesus operated. What are we going to do today? I don't know. We're going to see. Maybe somebody needs healing. Maybe there's a demon acting up. I'm going to cast him out. What are we going to do today? (laughs) He performed other signs and wonders. Jesus spoke harshly against the religious leaders and against religion. How many of us do that? Or how many of us just embrace religion because it's what has always happened? Come on now. Come on. He showered compassion on those who pursued him. Not those who were sinless. Listen to me. Not those who never made a mistake, not those who were perfect, those who pursued him. And I wish we had a revelation, a a deeper revelation. God would give all of us, including me, a deeper revelation of what we're talking about on Wednesday nights when we're talking about the kingdom of God. And how it's Jesus. Listen, Jesus didn't just give all of his revelation to the masses. He gave his revelation to the little flock. Look it up. Those that pressed in, those that wanted to be near him. Come on, he showed compassion. He sacrificed himself. And not just his earthly life on the cross, he sacrificed his time, he sacrificed his knowledge, and he sacrificed his life. Every day that he lived, he sacrificed his life. He brought the kingdom of God to earth, he brought God's kingdom right here right now in front of you, right to earth. Matthew chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Remember the gospel is not just the gospel of the cross. The cross is indeed the first step of the gospel, but that's not inclusive. The the, the cross is just the first step. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. What is the gospel? The gospel is the the good news of the kingdom, which includes the cross. Are you hearing me? The kingdom of God and, and saying, John is saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe this gospel. What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. Not just that Jesus is going to die on the cross for the remission of your sins, but Jesus is going to die on the cross so that your sins will be forgiven. You will also have peace in your life and that you will be healed from your diseases and that the kingdom of God would be here, right here, right now. I love The message version, I know a lot of people don't like the message version. I know it's not my primary study Bible, all right? But I love the way Eugene Peterson, after I read some more about his life, I have a a totally different view. About him and the message version, you know, the message version of the Bible is is it's still uh, a little too flowery for me. But I think that's maybe just my personality. If you if you love it, don't uh, don't go by me. Uh, but it's just you know it's just so flowery, you know. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? Get to the point. And. Uh, But, you know, reading about the life of Eugene Peterson, uh, I read a book uh, that he wrote called Long Obedience in the Same Direction, and it's about discipleship, and it's about sacrifice, and you can't tell me that that man did not love the Lord and want to serve God uh, with all that he had, all right? So the message version of Mark chapter 1, you guys know this, that the kingdom of God is at hand. It says, after John was arrested, watch how he puts it, Jesus went to Galilee preaching the message of God saying, time's up, time's up, God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. Time's up. He's not saying time's up is time for us to go to heaven. He's saying time's up and time out for the way we've been living beneath the privileges and the promises of God. Time's up. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. Now, this phrase at hand, it's, it's a Hebrew. It comes from a Hebrew word, "ingizo," And Gizo means to come near or to approach. This at hand, it isn't referring to time. The kingdom of God is near, meaning oh, uh, what time is it? It will be here pretty soon. No, it's not referring to a time. It's, it's not, he doesn't refer to time. He refers to location. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. Time is up. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus was the walking, living, breathing representation of the kingdom of God. And so we must know the person whose name that we're using. And I don't know what some thought or some may think when they hear a message about speaking the name of Jesus. But on the one hand, we have to understand that it's not a magic word. It's not an abracadabra. It's not some sort of formula without knowing the person. And on the other hand, some of us don't realize that there is power in that name. We'll sing it, but we don't have a revelation of the power of saying in Jesus' name. Illness, flee in Jesus' name. I will be delivered from this thing in Jesus' name. My family will be saved in Jesus' name. We don't understand the power of that name. Some of us, because we've tried to use it without really having a good relationship with the owner of the name. The name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. See, that's why in Isaiah 9-6, I don't know if you've ever realized this or not. You've read this before, many of you. We we preached this scripture at Christmas time, Brother James, Isaiah nine six that says, uh, "Now unto us uh, a child is born, and a son is given." Remember that scripture? I don't know if you've ever looked at it, but I was looking at that 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 verse there, and something really stood out to me, because it says, "For unto us a child is born, and a son is given." See, the child was born, but the son was given. The son couldn't be uh, uh, born because he already existed before the child was born. When the child was born, he entered into time. But the son didn't have to be born because he existed before time. So the son could only be given because the son has an eternal nature. So that's how, that's why now you understand when John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave. He was already there. He gave him. You see, we look and say, well, Jesus was born. Well, the child was born, but the son was given. He was already here. The power was already here. This is why there is power in Jesus' name, because he already knew. He already knew everything that was going to happen. He's omnipresent. Come on. He's omniscient. He knows everything, everything that you'll ever go through. The son was then given to us. The name of Jesus was given to us. You didn't have to earn it. All you have to do is believe and have a relationship with the owner of the name. We have a relationship with the owner of the name. We have power, an eternal power. Can't emphasize that enough. The son was given. There was an eternal power there. We have to realize you're you're not, you were not just saved just to go to heaven, folks. You were not saved just to go to heaven. You were saved to live out God's kingdom right here and right now on this earth. We have to realize that we got to get a revelation of that. You weren't saved just to go to heaven. Number two, the way to access the kingdom is through Jesus. It's through Jesus. You're not going to get around that you're not going to get around it. I've told this story before but I used to drive to work with a guy. We we rode from Bloomington up to Indianapolis every day, up and back. So about an hour both ways. And uh you know, he we used to talk about it. of course, you know, I'm a Christian so it, you know it's going to come up and we you know, we talk about it. And he says, "Yeah, you know, I've been to several different churches and I I like all kinds of churches. You know, I've been to the mosque and I've been to uh, you know, uh, Christian churches, I've been to the Universal Unitarian Church, and I've been to all of these kind of churches, and I just take something from all of them. And I said, really? Okay. Uh, I was about to say his name. I'm not going to say his name, but I I said, really? Okay. Um, Well, that's just, I mean, that's, that's what you believe. That's interesting. I said, well, what is it that you don't believe about the Bible. He said, because I don't believe everything about each of these religions. And he said, well, the Bible has a lot of good stuff in it. I just don't believe all that Jesus dying on the cross stuff. But other than that, and I said, blank. I was going to say his name. I said, you're missing the point. You know, I really wanted to say, and I don't know how I could have said this, Al, without being offensive, but I really kind of wanted to say, don't read the Bible at all if you're not going to believe the Jesus part of it. Because... Really, there's nothing else there. But I understood that he's not filled with the spirit of God. We're not going to have a deep conversation about that. He just needs to get a revelation that Jesus died on the cross for him. So that's all I could talk to him about. So we have to realize, and we know this as Christians, that the whole thing is about Jesus. There's an importance in his name. We have access through Jesus. You remember John 10, 9? I always quote John 10, 10. uh, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. I love to quote that. Uh, But there's a verse right before that where Jesus says this. He says, I am the door. He doesn't say I am a door. I'm I'm the side door. I'm the main door. I'm the garage door. But there's other doors. (laughs) No, he says, I am the door. And then he goes on to say this, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. See, he's speaking to more than just getting into heaven. He's talking about going in and out. He's talking about operating and find pasture. What does that mean? Finding peace. I am the door, the way to get into the kingdom of God now, not just when we die. Now is through jesus he's the door and then we thirdly we have to realize that jesus has given us his name as the key to access the door we have the door there but he is the key remember we read whatever you ask in my name that i will do that my father may be glorified don't forget that God's glorified in it all. You did not choose me. We read that earlier, but I chose you uh, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask in the name of my father, uh, he will give to you. Remember our first scripture until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So the father will be glorified and your joy will be full. It's possible to have both. Many Christians think, well, if the father's glorified, then I'm going to just suffer and and be downtrodden. No, it's possible possible that God can be glorified and your joy be made full. I didn't make it up. Jesus said it. It's in the Bible in John 16. And perhaps the most important thing, leave you with this, that we have to remember is John 15, seven. You might want to write that one down. You've read it, but as it relates to this particular message, you might want to memorize it. Even John 15, seven says, Jesus says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. If, 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 if. We talk a lot about God's unconditional love. You know, there's, a, there's an aspect that's unconditional as it relates to salvation, as it relates to him never turning his back on you, but entering the kingdom, ob- obtaining promises of God. Oh, if, if, conditional. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, the word is not there, and I don't want to add... to the the Bible, but we know it's inferred. Then you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. We have to realize the power that Jesus has given us when he gave us access to his name. Jesus, folks, walked in victory. He walked in victory even when he was on his way to the cross, the ultimate victory. He walked in victory, meaning that any situation he faced through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to overcome it, that the Father would be glorified. And he has given us that ability, the ability to overcome through him and his name. Whatever situation we face, we must use the name of Jesus to access that victory. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's not coming. There's not a time that it's going to be here. It is here right now. And the way we access it, the door is Jesus and his name is the key.